this is Gail with Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. And uh, we've been on a little break from the show, but we are back up and rolling. I've been doing a little bit of traveling and just came back from Maui. And I just want to let our my listeners know that when you travel to Maui and when you land at the Maui OGG airport, that that Google Google Maps might try to uh, route you a different way than the way you should go. And uh, this happened to us. Uh, I was traveling with my husband and three-year-old and and Google Maps to showed us to go on this highway called uh it's, it's 340 and there's a there's a hawaiian name for it, like kahikinili oh gosh i'm butchering this please i'm sorry if you're a local uh i'm not saying the right word but it's highway 340 and google maps told us to go on this highway uh to get to uh kanapali or kanapali and it's because there was like a, a road closure, but really there was a detour, the road closure. Um, so we, we are looking at this highway. And if you look on a map, Highway 340 on Maui runs across uh, the northwest side of the island, right along the coast. And I'm like, great, you know, we're, we're going to get in the car. We're going to drive along the coast. We'll be relaxing. We'll, we'll see some great scenery, maybe the sunset. Oh, maybe stop at a restaurant along the way. We've just been traveling all day. Oh, no. Oh, no. This road, uh, or at least our route, was like 35 miles to get to where we're going. And it was a one lane road and there's blind turns just lots of blind turns blind turn blind turn blind turn and there are cars just whipping around these blind turns and then a lot of this road is on the side of the ocean but there are definitely no restaurants and and we're on like the side of cliffs without guardrails so now you've got cars just driving whipping around and and you're trying to like honk to see if there's anyone around the corner. And I think Google Maps is routing a lot of people this way. And I think there was a lot of tourists on this road like us who didn't do our research, who didn't know that we shouldn't be on this road. But um, I thought we were going to die. I really thought we were going to die because so many times we end up coming straight on with another car and we had to back up like... 50 yards alongside a cliff without like a backup camera or anything um, with our three-year-old in the back who wanted to listen to like Sophia Princess Circus music on repeat. It's it's a fan, fantastic song. Not really, but um, it's one of those things you do as parents. We finally were done with Sophia the Princess and the Circus song for the trip. Um, however... <laughs> This episode is actually about surfing in Maui, and it was uh, recorded with uh, a friend of mine, Garrett Lisi, uh, before I went to Maui. But on our trip to Maui, I did get to try a stand-up paddle board surfing in Maui, and gosh, 
it is hard. It is so hard. I've got mad, mad respect for you surfers out there and to Garrett and everyone who is out there on their boards. Uh, and I like to stay in the paddleboard on lakes and, and rivers and find it not to be a problem. I could not stand up on the stand-up paddleboard. I just kept on falling off um, and just wiping out before even catching a wave. Um, I finally got to ride a wave in on my knees, and I'm very proud of that moment. Um, however, major kudos to the surfers out there. Uh, so let's get on with the interview with Garrett Lisi, who is a famous physicist, scientist, and Maui surfer. Uh, We've got Garrett Lisi here, who has given one of my favorite TED Talks of all time. It's called The Theory of Everything. I highly recommend you to check it out. Uh, but Garrett is also a theoretical f- a physicist. Uh, he's a surfer, kite surfer. Uh, he lives in Hawaii, and uh, I believe you're still living in Maui. But what else would you like to add here, Garrett? Hi, Gail. You're, uh, you've summed it up pretty well. Um, I, have a, I try to balance my life pretty well between working on physics and surfing. So Maui is a great place to do that. And uh, I haven't found anywhere in the world I like better. So here I am. I love it. And did I see you started a science hostel as well? That's right. So uh, after I got my own PhD uh, back in the 20th century, man, I'm old. uh, (laughs) I sort of went walkabout and went hopping between different friends' houses. Well, I kept working on theoretical physics and playing and doing fun stuff outside. So rather than rent a place or buy a place, I just spent time in friends' guest rooms, and it was great. I got to spend a lot of time working and not worrying about my environment since my friends were taking care of the house, and uh, got to work on what I wanted and play, and I thought that was fantastic for getting work done. Yeah. It was also a great, great place, great way to see different parts of the world. So... After doing that for a decade, I sort of got in my head to make this into a thing where you could have science hostels scattered around the world and uh, people who wanted to work on stuff in pretty places could hop from location to location while they do this work that they're not necessarily getting paid for. But since it's working on science, it ends up benefiting all of humanity. So it's sort of a cool trade off. And I tried to get some friends interested in hosting. But people didn't really want to give me their houses. So Mm. I ended up getting enough money together that I I bought my own house here in Maui. And I've been running this place as a science hostel now for the last three years. That is fantastic. I I love that. We'll have to come check it out sometime. Ah, cool. Yeah. Well, actually, today we're going to be talking about Maui, but we're actually going to be talking about surfing in Maui in the summertime. Uh, So could you just paint the experience of, of surfing in Maui. Sure. Well, I, since I have a bunch of visitors coming through and a lot of these people have never touched a surfboard before, you know, they don't, don't know which side the wax goes on. <laughs> um, it, uh, I get a lot of beginners and it turns out that 
surfing on this island in the summer is just a, a pretty ideal place to learn how to surf because the way the island topography is and the, the surrounding islands, uh, you can always find waves of different sizes and for different abilities uh, during the summer. And you can sort of just choose which level of surfing you want to do based on which spot you go to. So you can go out with complete beginners on huge boards on a nice uh, summer day on the south shore where the wind's usually blowing offshore pretty much every day and uh, and have pretty good experience pretty much all the time. It's pretty great. That sounds great. And summertime, we are talking June, July, August. Are there any other months that you would include for an optimal time for like beginner surfing? Pretty much July through October is is the best time. Ah, because perfect. It, it needs a basically our our surf comes from enormous storms down in the South Pacific, and then they travel thousands and thousands of miles up here to Hawaii. But in the in this in the middle of spring or in the middle of fall, um, the there aren't large enough storms to generate the swells we need to have sizable waves here. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a wave desert during those times, and that's that's a great time to go kite surfing, but not so great for surfing. Got it. Now, as far as learning how to surf in in Maui, uh, how long would it take for someone to actually stand up and catch that first wave? Uh, The time it takes to learn is inversely proportional to the size of the board you're on. So the bigger the board, the easier it is? That's right. That's right. So um, the the trade-off is with the larger board, it gets harder and harder to turn and maneuver. Mm-hmm. And it's also more serious if uh, a, a bigger wave hits you and, and you're going to have that board coming at you. So the, the trade-off is you, uh, you know, with a bigger board, you can catch waves much more easily. You can balance on it more easily. Paddling's easier. Everything's easier, except it's a little bit more unwieldy. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's not recommended for larger surf. But in the summertime, we usually have pretty small waves here. You know, just a just a couple feet high, uh-huh. and uh, in those conditions, a, a really large board is great. Fantastic. Now, I have seen people on on large boards also stand up paddle boarding, but they're doing stand up paddle board surfing. Would you recommend yeah. that, or just a traditional a uh, large surfboard to start out? I would. There's, I mean, although they're very similar in a lot of ways, they're very different in getting to use and what you can do with it. So with a with a traditional surfboard, you know, you, you lay down prone and you paddle with your arms just like you're doing a crawl but without kicking your legs. Mm-hmm. And you use that to, to pull yourself forward. And the, the problem is you run out of arm strength in about 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So someone who hasn't done a lot of surfing before and don't have the muscles built up, you, you just tire out the muscles almost immediately. Um, it takes... It takes months of conditioning to be able to paddle consistently for hours, um, and you're not going to be able to do that the first time. Got um, it. And that's that's where stand-up paddle surfing really wins. So with stand-up paddle surfing, you start with an even larger, floatier board that you can put in the water and then just stand up immediately to your feet and be standing on the board. And then in order to paddle, you've got a, a long, about a six-foot paddle that you can then reach down into the water with and and paddle yourself forward while you're standing 
And so the stand-up paddleboards are great because you you start off standing up, so you're you're immediately winning. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> I like winning. Yes. Yeah. So whereas with the normal surfboard, if you're if you're standing up the first day, you're actually doing really well. Whereas with the stand-up board, you're you're standing up immediately no matter what. Oh, uh, this is great. Yeah. The the downsize is it's it's a little trickier to go through waves and catch waves with the stand-up board. Um, the, there's a little bit more technique to the transition, and it's just not uh, it's not as smooth and as manageable as uh, as just surfing on a big longboard, the normal way. Got it. Got so it. it ends up being a matter of taste, but uh, but in terms of in terms of an absolute beginner having fun immediately, you're probably more likely to have fun immediately on a stand-up paddleboard than on a normal surfboard. Ah, oh, this is great. Now, let's say you are an advanced uh, surfer out there. You're you're able to to catch waves. You're maybe using a short board. Uh, is there a particular site in Maui uh, that you would suggest going to? Well, the the great thing about the South Shore here is there's there's this area called Thousand Peaks, mm-hmm. and it's called that because it's this uh, it's about a mm, about a six mile stretch between uh, Malaya and Lahaina that's exposed to the South shore. And there's, there's just, you know, nice reef after nice reef of nice, small, slowly peeling waves coming into shore. And so you can really just spread out and surf a spot that has no other surfers on it. Perfect. And that's, that's, that's really, that's really a, what makes this Island so great is that there are plenty of places that have better surf in the summertime. Um, but those spots, usually there's just a handful of really good spots and they're packed. Got it. So, so one of the best things about learning to surf in Maui is you have this long stretch of reef and it's all accessible, easily accessible with the road going right along it where you can just pull a car off under the trees, park your car in the sand, not too deep. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I've gotten my car stuck before. Yeah. Pull, pull your board off the car, toss it in the water, paddle out, and it's just, it's really easy. And, and the, the water is crystal clear and beautiful. Uh, there is reef. So the, the main hazard of surfing anywhere in Hawaii is we don't have a sandy bottom here for learning. Ah. But the, the water's clear and you can see what's underneath you and that you should not be stepping on it. <laughs> okay. All right. That's, that's a good tip. Yeah, that's probably the, the most important thing anybody can actually get from listening to this podcast <laughs> for this episode is when you're, when you're surfing in Hawaii, you don't want to touch the bottom at all. All right. This is great. Now, what if you wore like booty shoes or something? Would it be okay? That would, that would help you. It would not help the reef any. Oh, true. True. Yeah. So there, I mean, for the most part, uh, certainly a thousand peaks, um, the reef's pretty beaten up and rocky and rocks are tumbling around, so there's not a lot of life down there. Uh-huh. But there's enough that it does not benefit from people walking on it. So stay so, off the and, reef. Yeah. So and, and just in general, you're, you're not going to be wearing those booties your whole surfing life anyway. So you're going to want to learn just not to touch the bottom. Uh, how do you recommend someone going about surfing in Maui? Uh, there are a bunch of different ways to do it, mostly depending on how much time and effort you have to commit to it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have more than two weeks to commit to it, 
I would recommend going on Craigslist, buying a used board, and devoting yourself to that used board for weeks. That is absolutely the best way to go. Uh, what type uh, of length if, would you get for that first used board? Um, pretty much anything over eight feet. Great. Yeah. And if you get a stand-up board, make sure it's a big stand-up board that you can easily float on. There are a lot of people that buy stand-up paddle boards that are too small because they're, they're meant for experienced riders who are, you know, want a very maneuverable board. But the problem is those are way too small for beginners. They can't even balance on them. Got it. So as far as like a stand-up board, would those need to be longer than eight feet too? Is there a different standard for the stand-up? No. For this, for this, well, the stand-up board, it's more how wide and thick it is. Okay. Right? Because you just want something with the largest volume that will displace the most water and float you the easiest. Got it. Now, as far as like a paddle for the stand-up pat for the stand-up board, is there a, a recommended paddle type that you'd recommend or a material? Um, the cheaper ones are usually some variety of, of plastic or fiberglass. The the more expensive ones are carbon fiber, and they're super light and nice, but they'll run you a couple hundred, two or three hundred bucks. Um, for the length of a stand-up paddle. Uh, when you're standing and you, if you raise your hand towards the ceiling, you want the top of the paddle to come up to your wrist. Uh huh. So that that sets the length. Got it. And Got then, it. Uh, so if you're if you're if you're buying used, then yeah, just find a, a used stand-up paddle board on Craigslist. Make sure it's as big as possible, and then you probably want to buy your own paddle, uh, new, from one of the shops in town. Uh, now in Kahului, there are a few shops. Um, I probably like High Tech, uh, the best. High tech? The shops go? Yeah. Okay, I'll include them into the show notes. Sure. And they they also have uh, they'll also rent you boards. So if you're if you're in Maui for, for less than two weeks and you want to do a bunch of surfing or if you just want to try it, uh, that's a great place to go to rent stand up boards. And if you just go in there and tell them you're an absolute beginner and you want to try it, they'll say set you up with good equipment and uh, and talk to you about where to go. Perfect. Now what's the average cost of a rental if you just had a ballpark it? Ballpark, it's probably going to cost you about 30 bucks a day. That's not bad. Yeah. Now, the other thing I should say is uh, is on Maui, especially in the summertime, uh, we do get very strong winds in the afternoon. Hmm. So, so the best time to go surf is going to be in the early morning or right before sunset. That sounds wonderful, actually. Right before yeah. sunset or starting off your day surfing? Yeah, and that's also that also will keep you from getting too sunburned. Ah, you, you pretty much want to stay out of the Maui sun between eleven and two. Got it. Now, as far as attire, uh, in California, everyone wears a wetsuit. The water's cold, uh, but Hawaii, the water's warm. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's why I'm here. so nice, <laughs> so nice. I love Hawaii. Uh, as far as like attire, you see people with rash guards or just with bathing suits. Is there any recommended attire for beginner surfers? Absolutely. So um, for sun protection, uh, you're, if you're in the water, you know, after 9 a.m. and before 4 p.m., you're going to want to wear a rash guard and probably a surf hat. Um, yes, they're dorky, but my God, they will keep you sun protected better than anything. Great. And, we want to stay so, cancer free. Yeah, and and also we have a real problem here with uh, with sunscreen. Oh. There's there's so many people around that there's a lot of sunscreen getting in the water and mixing in, and it hurts the coral reefs. 
Right. So we want to we want to use as little sunscreen as possible. And the best way to do that is just wear a rash guard and a hat. Got it. Now, if you were to wear sunscreen, are there any recommended sunscreen brands that won't hurt the coral reef? Um, no, they're pretty much all bad when it comes to the coral. There's there's you can if you use zinc oxide. Uh huh. That's probably the best one that won't hurt the coral. Oh. So uh, so because that that's just it's like sort of like reflective face paint. Uh huh. Uh huh. And it, it just stays on until you scrub it off with soap and water. All right. So I think we're going to switch our family over to zinc oxide and make sure we all have rash guards and and surf hats. Yeah. Now, if you're if you're in the water before 10 a.m. or or, or after 3 p.m. and it's not quite so sunburny, uh, then you can get away without a rash guard and a hat just because the sun's going through more atmosphere and uh -huh. the, the UVB and UVC is getting blocked enough that you're not going to get sunburned as fast. Mm -hmm. um, so then you don't really need a rash guard for sun protection. However, if you're going to be surfing in the normal way and laying down on a surfboard and paddling, you're going to want a rash guard to guard from getting a rash. Like, what's the coolest thing that you have seen while surfing or, or stand-up surfing? Oh, the inside of barrels. Oh. <laughs> Definitely. That is pretty yeah. cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah, no. yeah getting, if, you, if you position yourself just right on a wave as it's breaking, you can get underneath the lip as the lip is throwing out over you. Uh -huh. So you're traveling around in this little tunner, tunnel of water that's, that's cruising along with you as you're traveling. And it's just, it's the most amazing thing to have this water turning all around you as you're traveling through it. It's just, it's pretty fantastic. I haven't seen anything more beautiful than that in the world. So how long did it take to get to that point? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, not getting time. Probably about three years. Three years. That's a good yeah, goal probably, to have. Probably, probably takes about three years until you get your first good barrel rides. Okay. Oh, that's exciting. I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to add it to my bucket list today. Yeah. But, you know, it's uh, it's uh, I, it's takes three years to do the normal way, normal way. And the reason it takes so long just to get to that level is because surf is fickle. There, there are no spots that are just consistently throwing out great, easy barrels to ride. Mm -hmm. You have to find the right conditions with uh, at the right time with not too many other people out competing for it and and the right equipment everything's got to come together and if you have time everything just perfectly you you might get barreled and come out and have a great wave but you know technology is improving and uh and there's some there's some new wave pools actually that are throwing out decent barrels consistently that, that are going to pretty significantly change what surfing is oh wow i didn't even think of that yeah, yeah. So there, there are new new wave pools now, where you can go and it's just a machine. Turns out a wave, you know, every half minute or so. Uh huh. And uh, and you just wait your turn in line, hop in, and then a machine perfect wave comes at you. You catch it, and and with a machine perfect wave, you don't have to worry about chop. You don't have to worry about you know how the wave is warping over this irregular reef. It's just a machine perfect thing peeling down in front of you, and you can you can perfect your maneuvers 
because the, the way the way to perfect your maneuvers is to try them over and over again. And that's really hard to do organically where you have where you have a different wave every time that you're dealing with. But with a in a wave pool with a with a machine perfect wave every time, people are gonna be able to really refine their technique and do amazing things. So here in Bend, Oregon, we actually have a standing wave in the river that they, they built that surfers would go out and surf. And I'm always wondering if, if it's really like the real thing, if, if you can learn on this standing wave and then take it to the ocean. Uh, you will be able to learn the surfing part of it. Uh-huh. So you'll be, able, you'll be able to balance on the board. You'll be able to maneuver the board around uh, on the wave. And so you'll be able to learn that aspect on it, and that would help immensely. So that'd be a big help. What you will not learn with a standing wave is the timing of catching a wave in the open ocean. Right. It's just, it's, it's, and that is the hardest thing to learn. So what really takes years to learn is, is looking at a wave and knowing exactly what it's going to do where and when and how to position yourself to catch it and ride it well. Surfing has probably the, you know, the, the largest, largest, hardest learning curve of any sport in the world. It just takes a lot of time to not only the physical conditioning necessary, but just the, the timing and awareness and knowledge of what a wave is going to do and to be able to, to get that timing locked in and do it. It's, it's it just takes yeah. a lot of practice and effort. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. but it sounds just amazing. I, I've only tried it a few times, but, but the yeah. serve a barrel. I mean, that, that sounds incredible. Yeah, but you don't want to you don't want to start you don't want to start out your first day. Right. Thinking, okay, I'm, I'm gonna get a barrel this time. It's right. Just, right. <laughs> that's not how you start. You start by I'm gonna catch a wave, and then you start with I'm gonna catch a wave and stand up. And right. Then you go, baby that steps. Way. <laughs> yeah, baby steps. <laughs> now, uh, I've been to Maui, but it was like in March or April, and the humpback whales were there, and I would jump in the water, and I would hear their song. In the summertime, can you still see any type of whales there or, or hear them while you're out there? No, no, the whales are pretty much only around uh, November through early April or so. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So so they, they migrate and in the summer they go up to Alaska to feed on krill. Huh. So are there any other like large animals or, or uh, ocean creatures you can be looking out for, or keeping your eyes open for while you're surfing in the summer? Yeah, tiger sharks. Yeah, I love tiger sharks. It's <laughs> my sharks favorite shark. Animals are, they're also terrifying. <laughs> but they're so beautiful. They're so beautiful. Yep. Now, we do we do have uh, one or two shark attacks per year here. Um, they're usually bad. just they're usually bites. Um, uh, I would argue that, yes, that is bad. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just because it's such a terrifying prospect. But it's such... It's such an infrequent uh, occurrence. You're, you're more likely to get in a horrible car accident on the way to the surf than you are to get attacked by a shark and have equal damage. Right, right. Oh. And I, I've been I've been surfing on this island for 20 years, and uh, I've I've never seen a tiger shark while surfing. Huh. you should knock on wood. Yeah, um, I had to put enough descriptors in there for that to be true because I've I've seen one kite surfing. I've actually seen two kite surfing, and I've also had one around while I was surfing, but I never saw it. <laughs> so how did you feel when you saw that tiger shark while you were kite surfing? Um, I kept going. 
Because, <laughs> you know, when you're kite surfing, you're, you're cruising along at a pretty good clip. Right. And I was just, uh, I was looking down underneath me, and I'm like, that's a big, that's not a big, that's a really big fish. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, those are stripes. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I, uh, I kept going. And he was he was doing his own thing, cruising along perpendicular to me. So, so, uh, so that was fine. He survived. He did great. The sea sharks are nice. nice. Uh, yeah, they're usually nice. Yeah, yeah. We gotta give them a good, good rep. Yeah, it's just, it's just, uh, it's a little uncomfortable for more, most people not to necessarily be at the top of the food chain. True. And I've only seen them while being under the water. I've never seen them being on top of the water, which I feel like would be unnerving since they feed on top of the water. Yeah, the more unnerving thing is you just don't see them. Right. Yeah. Right. So there you go, listeners. Uh, be on the lookout for tiger sharks, but you should experience surfing in Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about uh, surfing or stand-up paddleboard surfing in Maui? Uh, yeah, the wax goes on the top. <laughs> <laughs> They're not skis. <laughs> okay. yeah.